Countdown for blastoff. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Hi, this is Carl Amari, and welcome to Episode 17 of Radio Rarities, the weekly podcast series that examines unique episodes from the golden age of radio. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. On episode four of Radio Rarities, we featured the adventures of Philip Marlowe, in which the star, Gerald Moore, wasn't able to participate in the episode due to illness, and a substitute had to be found at the last moment. William Conrad was available, stepped in, and did a fine job in the role of hard-boiled detective Philip Marlowe. That's right, Carl. It's interesting that this pinch-hitting happened more often in dramatic programs than in comedies. However, today we're presenting such a scenario from one of radio's funniest sitcoms, The Life of Riley. Which starred William Bendix as blundering Chester A. Riley, a wing riveter at the fictional Cunningham Aircraft Plant in California. Who was married to Peg and father of their two children, Babs and Junior. But in this episode, Jackie Gleason, not William Bendix, is heard as Riley. We'll tell you why in a minute, but first, some background. The original concept of this comedy series did not have Bendix as the lead. Right, Lisa. In 1940, series creator Irving Brecker recorded an audition for a situation comedy series called The Flotsam Family, which was slated to star his good pal Groucho Marx. Unfortunately, Brecker couldn't find a sponsor who agreed that mustache Groucho was believable as the father in a family sitcom, so the project was shelved. Then, in 1942, Irving Brecker saw William Bendix portraying taxicab company owner Tim McGurin in the Hal Roach film The McGurins from Brooklyn and decided William Bendix would be the perfect father figure in his radio concept. So Brecker rewrote The Flotsam Family for Bendix under the new name The Life of Riley. In 1943, an audition with Bendix was recorded. The American Meat Institute signed on as sponsor and The Life of Riley debuted on the Blue Network January 16, 1944. Fast forward now to the fall of 1949. The program was a Friday night ratings winner for NBC for current sponsor, the Paps Sales Company, makers of Paps Blue Ribbon Beer. That same year, a feature film, The Life of Riley, was released by Universal Pictures, starring William Bendix as Riley, with Rosemary DeCamp as his wife, Peg. In November of 1949, William Bendix was busy filming Kill the Umpire, which would be released by Columbia at the start of the 1950 baseball season. Bendix must have delivered his lines with such enthusiasm that his voice took a bigger hit than the baseball. The Life of Riley was broadcast live each Friday evening. As much as Bendix tried, he just couldn't perform the role of Riley on the evening of November 11, 1949, due to a mild case of laryngitis. With no time to spare, Irving Brecker chose Jackie Gleason to fill in. Gleason was currently starring as Chester A. Riley in the television version of The Life of Riley, which was also on NBC. It had started the previous month. 
Due to film commitments, Bendix was not able to play Riley in the TV series. We all know Jackie Gleason from one of TV's most acclaimed comedy shows, The Honeymooners. And before that, he starred in The Jackie Gleason Show, from which the famous character bus driver Ralph Cramden had evolved. In the early 1940s, Gleason appeared in the Warner Brothers releases Navy Blue and All Through the Night. Though he would not gain recognition until his role in the 1944 Broadway hit musical Follow the Girls. Gleason's radio work during the 1940s was limited. He made a few guest appearances and co-starred with Les Tremaine during the summer of 1944 in the Jackie Gleason Les Tremaine show. So for those who had seen Jackie Gleason as Riley on TV, this was an opportunity to hear him perform in the same role on radio. And now here's Jackie Gleason subbing for William Bendix in the Life of Riley episode Community Chess Drive from November 11, 1949. Living the life of Riley When we're past blue ribbon you call Finest beer served anywhere There's nothing like it at all Oh, north or south or east or west When past blue ribbon you drink You're pouring the beer you know is best So let the glasses clink You're living the life of Riley When for past blue ribbon you call When for past blue ribbon you call Pabst Blue Ribbon Finest beer served Anywhere proudly presents The Life of Riley with Jackie Gleason substituting tonight for William Bendix as Riley. It seems that William Bendix is currently making a new movie, playing the part of an umpire. Well, you know how umpires holler, and so tonight Bill has a real sore throat. Fortunately, his good friend Jackie Gleason, who plays the same role on the Life of Riley television show, is with us tonight, batting for Bill, who will rejoin us next Friday. They say that opportunity knocks only once, but it never knocks at Chester A. Riley's door. It doesn't have to. Riley goes out, waylays it, and drags it home, which is exactly what he's doing at this moment. Peg, Peg, where are you, Peg? Oh, hello, dear. Uh, Peg, I gotta have five dollars. Hello, darling. Riley, Mr. Gibson just phoned you. You know, he's your colonel in the community chess campaign. Uh, never mind that now. I gotta have five dollars. He wanted to know how much money you've collected for the drive. Peg, please don't bother me about money. I'm asking you for five dollars. <laughs> what for? I got a great opportunity. Today, I met a fellow. Oh, I see. Riley, when are you going to learn? The last time you, you met a fella, you spent your whole week's pay for that insurance policy. Well, what of it? Every family needs insurance. Yes, but not against icebergs. <laughs> Peg, this has nothing to do with icebergs. For $5, I can buy Dr. Flexo's Marvel Muscle Builder. Muscle build? What on earth do you want a thing like that for? It's just what I need. Here, listen to what it says on this circular. Do your muscles sag? Are you getting fat and flabby? In 30 days, I guarantee to make you a Greek god. You? Yeah. A Greek god? Why not? In 30 days? Well, the god part, yes, but the Greek might take a little longer. Riley, you just can't spend money on foolishness like that. Foolishness? Don't you want your husband to have a good figure? Here, read what it says here. Huh? Let's see. 
your wife will thrill to your manly physique. Don't you want to be thrilled? (laughs) Not for five dollars. I can go to the movies and see Cary Grant for 30 cents. (laughs) That's only in the afternoon. (laughs) Give me five dollars and you can have Cary Grant in the house day and night. (laughs) Now, forget it, dearie. It's just a waste of money. Well, it's my money. I earn it, don't I? And I guess I can spend my money any way I want it. So, lend me five dollars, please, will you? Now, where am I going to get it? Ah, don't give me that peg. You got a little bankroll stashed away somewhere. Me? A bankroll? Uh, You mean to tell me you don't kid me a little and hold out a few bucks from the house money every week? I do not. I never lied to you in my life. (laughs) Fine wife you turned out to be. (laughs) Oh, come on, just five dollars, peg. I haven't got it. Uh, here I got a chance to improve myself in my spare time and There you are more important things you can do with your spare time Now how about getting to work on the community chess drive? You insisted they make you captain of the district I'm working on it Don't I wear a red feather in my hat? You haven't done one solitary thing so far How can you say that? Didn't I make up a list of names to contact? You did not I got those names out of the phone book And who handed you the phone book? Me <laughs> Now, you better get to work or you'll never make your quota. This year's drive's very important. Like the slogan says, love costs money. Yeah, but you won't even give me five dollars. Riley, you get busy on the campaign. It's very important. I know it's important. That's why they made me the captain. I got my strategy all figured out. See? Here's my list. Joe Anderson. Now, I'll phone up Joe Anderson first. He ought to be good for at least 20. Hello? Hello, Joe? Captain Riley talking. Uh, now about the community chest. I... What? You will? Oh, that's great, Joe. It sure is swell of you. You're a real citizen. If everybody was like you, this job would be a cinch. Thanks a million, Joe. What did he say, Riley? He said he'd think it over. <laughs> The way you thanked him, I thought he'd pledged a lot of money. Oh, Roddy, you're going at this all wrong. Now, you've got to be a little... Now, please, Peg, I'm the captain. Now, who's next? Oh, John Bennett. Now, the first thing to do is to I tell him that I know what to this... tell him. I know exactly what to tell him. Hello, John? Riley talking. Now, about the community chest. You know the money is used for... Oh, yeah, that's right, John. And not only that... Yep, yep, the hospitals. Oh, you said a mouthful, John. And the old folks who... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, very important. You don't say. I didn't know about the underprivileged children. Oh, you're right, John. I agree with you 100%. Everybody ought to give. You can put me down for He was a pushover. Riley, you're supposed to get pledges, not give them. I gave him? Oh, I thought it was too easy. He talks so much that I... Oh, now listen, will you just once? You've got to be firm with people. You do the talking. Now, if you're going to be wishy-washy, you'll never get... You're right, Peg. You're right. I'm changing my whole strategy. I'll be firm, like you say. Now, let's see. Who's next? Jennings. Oh, he's the big real estate guy. Huh. He ought to be good for at least 500. 
He owns half the real estate around here. Now, remember, don't be wishy-washy. Don't worry. This guy ain't talking me out of it. Hello, Jennings. Listen, you cheap tightwad. How about shelling out for the community chest? You made enough dough by rooking people on those cheesy houses. Hello? Hello? He hung up on me. Some people just won't give. But, Peg, I worked on my list all last night. I know. How much did you collect? Well, I saw Lucas and Mr. Robinson and Bill Cook and Charlie Granucci and Tom Franklin. Well, how much did they pledge? Well, they, they were so friendly, I didn't have the heart to ask them for money. Oh, you didn't ask? You've got to use sales technique, Pop. Figure out how much a fellow's good for, ask him for double, and settle for half. Oh, what do you know about it, Junior? Well, yesterday I asked you for 50 cents, didn't I? Well, I gave it to you, didn't I? Yeah, but all I wanted was a quarter. Why, you, you little swindler. Oh, now, Riley, control yourself. That boy ought to be taught a lesson. And he owes me a quarter. <laughs> Look, dear, uh, while you're at work, suppose I go and see some of the people on your list, huh? Oh, no, nothing doing. I'm the captain, not you. I got my pride. No woman is going to work for me. Oh, you're too proud to let me work for you, huh? But it's all right if I wash your shirts, mend your socks, cook your meals, and make your bed. Well, you're entitled to some pleasure. <laughs> now, let's get it straight, Peg. I'll do my own collecting. Oh, good. You'll work on it tonight? Well, no, tomorrow. Tonight I got a lodge meeting. Hey, I better get to work. <sighs> oh, Mother, Daddy will never collect a cent the way he's going at it. Oh, I know. I don't dare do it for him. You heard him just now. Well, somebody will have to do something. Babs, is that you? Where have you been all day, dear? You missed dinner. Mother, look. Good heavens, all that money. $148. I went to half of the people on Daddy's list, and they were only too glad to give. You didn't. Oh, your father be furious. I promised him I wouldn't. You promised him, Mother, but I didn't. He won't be angry when he sees what I collected. The main thing is to have the campaign a success. Is Daddy home yet? No, no, he's still at his lodge. Oh, well, we'll tell him in the morning. Oh, oh boy, I'm dead. I'm going right to bed. But, Vance, what about the money, dear? We can't leave it here on the table. Oh, that's right. Well, we better put it in a safe place. Um, how about the cookie jar? No, I've got a better idea. Here, hand me that cornflakes box there. Oh, what for? Are you hungry? <laughs> no, dear. Oh, there's not much left. Well, I don't need much. Now I empty the cornflakes. <laughs> Mrs. Gillis told me about this trick. She always hides her money this way. Now, I put the money in the box and cover it with the cornflake. See? Say, that's a wonderful idea, Mother. Yes. No one in his right mind would think of looking there. Well, what did you think of our lodge meeting tonight, Riley? Eh, it was a pretty poor turnout, Gillis. Only six members. Maybe the next open meeting we shouldn't charge admission. No, that ain't it. Them other guys didn't show up because their wives wouldn't let them. No? Sure. You know these wives, always suspicious. 
Why, they probably think we got chorus girls at the meetings. <laughs> Why, that's silly. What would we want with chorus girls? Sure, we're all respectable, faithful husbands. You're perfectly right. Besides, our wives are ten times more beautiful than any chorus girls. Now, let's not go overboard. <laughs> Believe me, Riley, us husbands is getting a raw deal from our wives. Ah, uh, not me. My peg is a honey. They don't trust us, they don't respect us, they don't obey us. And in my case, she don't like me. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's times they get a little out of line. Take this morning. I asked Peg to lend me $5, and she turned me down flat. She had her nerve refusing you a measly fin, especially when she's probably got a little wad stowed away somewhere. Nah, nah, there you're wrong, Gillis. Oh, wise up. I don't think there's a wife in the country that don't sneak out a little from the pay envelope every week. That's the price you pay for marriage. Two withholding taxes. <laughs> but, but Peg swore that she never held out. You've got to believe a woman when she swears at you. Oh, wake up, Riley. Stop talking like a bachelor. All I say... Oh, we're home. Hey, how about dropping over for a midnight snack to Pierre's Beanery? Well, why spend money? Come in my house. You can eat off me. Okay. Let's go through the back so we won't wake up Peg. See, now I can see what's wrong with your marriage. You're too considerate, so she takes advantage. That's how she gets away with holding out dough on you. Oh, pipe down, Gillis. You got Peg all wrong. Now, let's see. What is there to eat? You know, she ain't just the type to do such a thing. And if she swears she's broke, I'll stake my life on it. Hey, how about some cornflakes? Okay. <laughs> I'll force myself. Okay, Gillis, say when. There you are, Gillis. Riley, I wanted cornflakes, not lettuce. And with Lincoln's picture on it, yet. <laughs> Gillis, that's money there. What a bundle. A hundred? Twenty? Tiny? A hundred and forty-eight bucks! I don't understand. I know they give away little prizes in cereal boxes. <laughs> but a hundred and forty-eight bucks? Kellogg is getting careless. Don't you get it, you lucky dog? You found your wife's hideout. No, it can't be. Peg wouldn't do such a thing. I'll stake my life on it. You already lost one life. But she... It's Peg. Quick, hide everything. Don't let her see it. In the cupboard. Don't be a chump. Tell her all. Have a showdown right here and now. In front of me. <laughs> no. I'm going to put it to a test. I'm giving her one more chance to play square with me. Now, you'll see you're wrong. Oh, I thought it was you, Riley. Listen, dear, there's something I've got to... Oh. Oh, Mr. Gillis, I, I didn't see you. Hey, Mrs. Huh? Uh, what did you want to tell me, Peg? Uh, well, uh, it, it can wait. I'll tell you later. Good night. Oh, uh, wait a minute, Peg. I got something to tell you, and it can't wait. Uh, it's an emergency. I, uh, need some money. Riley, I told you I have no money. I'm going to bed. Good night. <laughs> Smart operator. She didn't bat an eyelash. Gillis, I... I think you were right. Of course I was. Now, play it smart, lady. Grab that dough and hold on to it. Well, I... It's your moolah. You slave for it, didn't you? Yeah. Sure. Why shouldn't I take it? Seventeen years I've been working night and day. It's my dough and I can do what I want with it. Sure, we can have a great time with 148 bucks. <laughs> Let's buy some coffee. No. <laughs> I got a better idea. I know just what to do with this money. Yeah, what's that? I'm going to do what everybody should do. 
I'm going to donate it to the community chest. What? Boy, wait till these cheapskates in the neighborhood hear that Riley gave $148. (laughs) This'll give them something to talk about. (laughs) Ha ha! Perhaps Blue Ribbon will bring you the second act of The Life of Riley in just a moment. This is a Blue Ribbon country where north, south, east, and west, millions of Americans are enjoying the good things of life. Yes, living the life of Riley with Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Actually, more people are buying Pabst Blue Ribbon in 1949 than in any previous year in Pabst's 105-year history. This tremendous wave of popularity for Pabst Blue Ribbon is the direct result of scientific brewing methods. Believe it or not, the staff of scientists in charge of brewing Pabst Blue Ribbon beer is large enough, so it has been said to provide the faculty for a good-sized university. Yes, the old-fashioned brewmaster who depended upon his senses of taste and sight and smell has given way to the modern chemist, the research engineer, the fermentologist, the man of science. If you are one who hasn't yet discovered Pabst Blue Ribbon, why not order it at your favorite bar or restaurant or have a case sent home and let your taste tell you why, wherever you go, you hear it called the finest beer served anywhere. You're listening to Radio Rarities. We'll return after this short break. Hi, Carl Amari here. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, Suspense, and Burns and Allen, consider becoming a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows in superior sound quality, along with historical liner notes and photos of their radio stars. The 10 shows I'll send you will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. Members also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour holiday Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. The digital links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 and Radio Rarities whenever you'd like. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. And when you join the Classic Radio Club, there's no long-term commitment. You can cancel at any time. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now, back to Radio Rarities. And now, back to the life of Riley with Paula Winslow and John Brown and Jackie Gleason substituting tonight for William Bendix as Riley. Hi, Pop. You're home early. Uh, I got a meeting, Sonny. Uh, Where's your mother? Oh, she went shopping with Babs. Oh, she wasn't up when I went to work this morning, and there's something I wanted to straighten out. What'd you have a fight with, Mom? Junior, your mother and me never fight. Oh, you just had a tiff. Yeah, that's it. We had a tiff. During the fight. <laughs> Don't worry. Mom won't be sore at you when she finds out how much you gave for the community chest. You know? How did you find out? The whole neighborhood knows. When I was delivering my papers, everybody said what a great guy you were, Pop. No kidding. Well, well it's about time my true character leaked out. Well, my school teacher made a speech about you. About good citizenship. Gee, I'm proud of you, Pop. So am I, son. <laughs> to be such a big shot. Oh, what did I do? Money don't mean anything to me when it's a question of helping my brother. Oh, Pop, can I have a dollar? You're not my brother. You're my son. <laughs> oh, come on, Pop. I want to take Marilyn Morris to see the new Tarzan movie tonight. 
They got a special stunt in the lobby. A real-life baboon in a cage. Oh, well, for something educational like that, okay. Uh, here's a dollar. Gee, thanks a million. Well, I gotta go. There's a special meeting of the whole neighborhood for the community chest. Hey, you wanna come along? You bet. Maybe they'll ask you to make a speech. Me? Oh, go on, not me. I wouldn't dream of getting up and boasting how good I am. No speech making for me. Pop, I was thinking... Quiet, son, I'm thinking. Ladies and gentlemen, unaccustomed as I am to public speeching, I feel it behooves me at this time. Riley? Riley? I don't think Daddy's home, Mother. His hat isn't on the piano. He must have gone to the meeting. Oh, dear, we better take the money and get right down there. You certainly saved your father's life when you collect... Babs, the money, it, it's gone. Oh, no. Well, yes, look. Well, there's nothing but cornflakes here. Mother, we've been robbed. Oh, this is awful. I better tell your father right away. big crowd. Yeah, it looks like everybody in the neighborhood turned out. Uh, let's go sit in the back row where I won't be noticed. If Mr. Gibson sees me, he should ask me up to make a speech and I just won't do it. <laughs> uh, come on. Ladies and gentlemen, unaccustomed as I am to public speech. There's Mr. Gibson on the platform. I think he's waving to you. Oh, I, I hope he doesn't notice me. Has anybody seen Riley? Here, here I am, here I am. Well, come up here, sir. Will you get out of my way, Junior? Yeah. I've been waiting for you, Riley. I'm making you the subject of my opening remarks. Well, anything for the cause. Yeah. Will you come to order, please? Order, please. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid that some of us just don't seem to realize how important this drive is. But I do know one man who did realize the terrible urgency. Last year, this generous-hearted citizen gave only $10, but this year he gave $148. That man was Chester Riley. <laughs> Yes, we can all be proud of Riley, but at the same time, uh, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves because Riley was the only man in this whole district who gave. The only one. It's a great privilege to introduce a generous man, Chester Riley. Oh, <clears throat> fellas and uh, citizens, unaccustomed as I am to... Uh... <laughs> now look, you guys, you know me. My salary ain't nothing to speak of. I got no big bank account. Where did I get $148? By sacrificing. And if I can do it, why can't you? Yeah, I mean you, Anderson. Now, look here, Riley. And you, Bennett. But, Riley, I... And you, Jenning, with those cheesy houses. Now, wait a minute, you. Why can't you give? I did give. I gave 20. Here's my receipt. And here's mine for 20. Yeah. Wait a minute, folks. I get it now. Riley's the captain of this district. All the money goes through him. He turned our donations in in his name. No, no, wait a That's minute. That's robbery. No, he's a crook, like he said himself. Where would he get $148? That's right. Yeah, Riley, I hope you can explain this. <laughs> Don't worry, Mr. Gibson. Listen, fellas, I'm no crook. I can explain how I got this money. I didn't steal it. I found it in an old box of cornflakes. Now oh, on your throne. No, wait a minute, Riley. fellas. Riley. Ha, ha, ha. That's my wife. She'll tell you how oh, I got... Riley. Riley, something awful's happened. Some low sneak stole $148 that belongs to the community chest. What a revolting development this is. (laughs) 
What a mess. I've been in pretty deep before, but I'll never be in any deeper than I am right now. Would you care to bet? <laughs> Who's that? It is I, Digby O'Dell, the friendly undertaker. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't see it, Digger. Greetings, Riley. You're looking... You look horrible. <laughs> Digger, I'm at the end of my rope. Then I'd better go along with you. You see, I was the captain in a community chest drive. Bully for you. As I always say, the good that you do unto people will come back to you in the end. And so will the people. Yeah, I know. That's why I wanted to make good at this job. Oh, I'm an old hand at charity. I'm president of a group that regularly sends a parcel of food to needy families. It's the UEPBOMC. U-E-P-B-O-M-C. The Undertakers, Embalmers, and Pallbearers. Box of the Month Club. Well, I... I like the community chess better. I messed everything up. I found a $148 in the house. By mistake, I turned it in on my own name. You see, my wife hid it in this box, and I thought it was my money. Oh, Riley, you deserve to be chastised. Always snoopy. What's wrong? Didn't you ever look in a box to see what's in it? Let's not talk shop. <laughs> nah, everybody thinks I'm a crook. Oh, if I could only square myself. But you can. Simply donate $148 of your own money to the drive. Hey, that might do it. <laughs> but where will I get all that money? Eureka, I have it. A job for you. A job? Where? Come with me. Gee, you're a real pal, Digger. Someday I'm going to do something for you. You name it. What can I do for you that you'll really like? Don't bother. You might not like it. <laughs> Come along. We'd better be shoveling off. Hello, Peg. Oh, where have you been, Riley? We've been looking all over for you. Why'd you run out on the meeting like that? I, I just couldn't stand it. Everybody thinking I was a crook. But, Riley, I could have explained everything. They'd have believed me, but you ran out. Now they really think you're guilty. Ah, oh, Peg. Seventeen years we've been married, and I brought you nothing but trouble. Well, I'm going to do the decent thing by you and the kids. I'm having that marriage annulled. Sense. Take it easy, Pop. We're all on your side. But I'm no good. No, we like you the way you are. Oh, sure Pop. we do, Daddy. You really like me? Of course. You can get used to anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as you forgive me, I'll face the music. I'll square myself. I'm going to donate $148 of my own money to the community chest. Good for you, dear. But where will you get the money, Daddy? Well, I, uh... I got a job in my spare time. Oh, that's fine. What sort of work? Well, I, I got this job through Digger Odell. Oh, no, Pop. Not in his window display. <laughs> Don't be silly, Junior. Well, what kind of a job is it, dear? Well, it's, uh... Well, I'll, I'll tell you about it later. I, I gotta go to Roy right now. Wait, Pop. I'll walk with you. Oh, no, no. You stay here, Junior. Well, I'm going out anyway. I'm gonna see the Tarzan picture at the Rivoli. No, not tonight, Junior. Please, stay home. Oh, no, Pop. I can't. I got a date. Okay, Junior. 
Go to the movie. But please, son, when you walk in the lobby and see that real live baboon in the cage, don't say hello, Pop. <laughs> I ain't allowed to talk during working hours. In just a moment, Riley will return. When you're stopping in a hotel far away from home, and you pick up your phone and call room service, and you ask for Pabst Blue Ribbon beer, and a few minutes later up comes the bellboy with that familiar bottle of the finest beer served anywhere, the same fine beer you enjoy at home, it's a mighty welcome sight. Keeping Pabst Blue Ribbon on ice is just one of the many little service details that American hotels think about in their effort to make you feel at home and comfortable during your stay. Next week is National Hotel Week, and on this special occasion, Pabst Blue Ribbon salutes its many friends in the hotel business. Folks, this is Jackie Gleason, subbing for Riley himself, William Bendix. I know you all join me in rooting for Bill's quick recovery from his umpire's throat. Get well quick, Bill, so I can tune you in next Friday. Say, Riley, would you help me make a test? Sure, okay, Mr. Wallington. Now, here are three glasses of beer. Now, I want you to taste the beer in glass number one, and then taste the beer in glass number two, and then in number three. Oh, I'm going to like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. <laughs> Gee, that's nice. Okay, now what do I do? Well, tell me which beer you like the best. Oh, well, they all taste delicious to me. I can't tell any difference. Gee, Mr. Wellington, I hope I didn't spoil your test. No, no, you didn't. That's exactly what I hoped you'd say. You see, these three glasses all contained Pabst Blue Ribbon. I had three <laughs> bottles flown by air, number one from New York City, number two from Miami, number three from San Francisco. I just wanted to prove that wherever you buy it, east, west, North or South, Pabst Blue Ribbon is always the same. The finest beer served anywhere. Your taste will tell you why. Oh, it's living the life of Riley when for Pabst Blue Ribbon you call. Finest beer served anywhere, there's nothing like it at all. For North or South or East or West, when Pabst Blue Ribbon you drink, you're pouring the beer you know is best, so let the glasses clink. You're living the life of Riley when for Pabst Blue Ribbon you call. When for Pabst Blue Ribbon you call. Pabst Blue Ribbon invites you to join us again next week to hear The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley. Jackie Gleason may be seen as Riley on television every Tuesday with Rosemary DeCamp as Peg. Tonight's script is by Reuben Ship and Alan Lipscott. Music by Jerry Fielding. Mrs. Riley is Paula Winslow. Digger Odell is John Brown. Babs is Barbara Eiler. And Junior is Alan Reed, Jr. Consult your local paper for the correct time for the Life of Riley show on television over NBC every week. 
Produced by Irving Brecker by arrangement with Universal International Pictures. Now releasing Free for All, starring Robert Cummings and Ann Blythe. The Life of Riley is brought to you by the Pabst Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Newark, New Jersey, and Peoria, Illinois. And sent your way with the best wishes of Pabst Blue Ribbon dealers from coast to coast. Jimmy Wallington speaks. Next, it's the Jimmy Durante Show on NBC. Jackie Gleason did a fine job, but I'm sure it would have been tough for anyone to fill in for William Bendix as Riley on radio. For sure. Bendix did return the following week. As mentioned during the closing credits, listeners were encouraged to catch Jackie Gleason each week as Riley on television. 26 episodes of the Jackie Gleason Life of Riley TV series were broadcast, and despite winning an Emmy Award, it was not renewed for a second season by the sponsor Pabst. However, Pabst did renew the radio series for the 1950-51 to 51 season starring William Bendix. It was unusual for a beer manufacturer to bankroll a family show on radio during that time. More unusual was that the episode we just heard was not the first time William Bendix was absent from the series. During the summer of 1944, he earned a well-deserved two-week vacation. There was no substitute for him in the July 30, 1944 episode Riley disappears from his job. He was simply written out of the script. But there was a seminal character introduced in that episode who would soon evolve into Digby Digger Odell. The friendly undertaker. And in the episode, we heard the versatile actor John Brown in the role. Brown also doubled as Riley's next-door neighbor and conniving co-worker Jim Gillis. The life of Riley was broadcast live with a studio audience, most of whom were not aware John Brown played both roles. And his lines as Digby Odell, the friendly undertaker, sometimes generated the greatest laughs and applause. They often included puns based on his profession delivered in a sardonic style that the audience loved. The character was so popular that Irving Brecker considered a spin-off show of his own. That was a testament to both Brown's acting capabilities and the show's writers. And in each episode, we were always treated to Riley's signature catchphrase, what a revolting development this is. Okay, don't get carried away now, Carl. Others credited in this episode were Paula Winslow as Peg, Barbara Eiler as Babs, and Alan Reed Jr. as Junior. Alan Reed Jr. was the actor's son of Alan Reed, best known for providing the voice of Fred Flintstone. Norman Field was heard as Mr. Gibson. After the Riley radio show ended in 1951, the character returned to the small screen in 1953. And this time, William Bendix was able to play the lead. He was the only member of the radio cast to carry over to the new video series. His supporting players included Marjorie Reynolds as Peg, Lou Jean Sanders as Babs, and Wesley Morgan as Junior. Riley and company enjoyed five successful seasons on television. And we want to remind our listeners that Dell published a Life of Riley comic book in 1958. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Radio Rarities. Radio Rarities is a Gulfstream Studios copyrighted production produced by yours truly, Carl Amari. My co-host is Lisa Wolf. Mike Gastella is our executive producer, and the show is written by Carl Shadow. Next week, it's a star-studded, hour-long episode of Command Performance that you won't want to miss. Thank you for listening.
It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.